Welcome to the TARDIS Tapes. Well, your job to intro this week. Hello and welcome to the podcast that we still haven't figured out a name for. Oh, we had something. What was it? Is uh, who let the dock out? Who let the dock out is is my favorite so far. <laughs> Absolutely, it's bad. It's nothing. It's it's everything. <laughs> it's all of it. Uh huh. It's everything I need. All right. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Our episodes for this week. You remember the titles? The titles of the episodes are "The Forest of Fear" and mm-hmm. "The Firemaker." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the author was Anthony Coburn. I, I looked him up, and the line on his Wikipedia page was, "Oh, he wrote a couple things. He's best known for writing <clears throat> the first Doctor Who short." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, this is this is the thing this guy did." All okay. right, cool. Good for him. Uh, yeah. So I guess let's get started. I'm going to start summarizing. Yeah. The Forest of Fear. This is episode three of Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. Also, part three of the first serial. Mm-hmm. And we're left with the with the cliffhanger from last time, which is when they find skulls in the cave of skulls. Real shocker! They, they made they made good use of that title actually. Uh-huh. Uh, so the episode opens with them finding the skulls and being shocked that they're split wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it cuts to the old lady who I don't think ever got a name. She's just the old lady, right? They always just call her the old woman. Old woman, uh, hag, is mm-hmm. what I'm calling her. Uh, she she uh, picks up a rock she's clearly going to do something with it the everybody is in the cave and trying to escape and they seem very tired like i know it's i know that it's probably difficult to escape but they seem very tired is it just me i mean i i don't know if i was picking up on tired i was mostly just like so there are a couple themes for these episodes to me, right? Mm-hmm. And one theme was the group dynamics within this this group of four, right? Which kind of the main dynamics here are the the power level between these characters is just so disparate. Like it's just Ian and then everyone else. This is and, this like, is even the doctor that I have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. Um, the the doctor. The other big theme. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. Uh, well, so the doctor is doing nothing but bitching, and and I just I have a note here that says Ian is a champ. He's he's holding, <laughs> he's holding it all together. The the doctor looks to. I should have pulled up the names before we started talking. Is it Barbara? The do- doctor looks to Barbara. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. It, it was Ian and Barbara. Barbara was the teacher. Yeah, Barbara's the teacher. Uh, doctor looks to Barbara and he says, "Don't think of it as failing. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't think of failing. Like, just think of not failing." <laughs> yeah, that, like his so contribution this to this is... is like, let's let's just not fail, and then we will have succeeded. I, I think this is the kind of thing that the show maybe wants to hold up as like one of its real strengths, and I think it really doesn't work. Is like kind of philosophizing in these very very vague like self-help book kind of ways Mm -hmm. you know like he has this this stuff about like oh you know she's like i never thought you would be afraid he said oh fear is universal in all animals as is its cousin oh what's that and fear your friend was talking about it it's hope yeah 
fear makes yeah companions fear makes of companions all of, of all of us which you know that I, I want I'm gonna I'm gonna push for a running theme of this podcast to be those Pokemon Puzzle League lines those those pull string lines um, that's a that's a candidate I don't know that it beats out our line from last week but it's not bad all right I can go with that. um but it's kind of trite as is like most of their kind of vague philosophizing like oh you want to be fearless I think it would be less trite if the doctor had more of a contribution, you know? Yeah. If, if when, when it's coming from somebody who is like relentlessly inspiring them saying, don't give up. Mm-hmm. That's, that means more than somebody who has been sitting in a corner the entire time, just complaining, yeah. not doing He This guy travels <laughs> through time and space. He can't start a fire in a cave. And he's just kind of generally an antagonist, you know? Yeah. Like, in any of the situations where he does have information that the other ones don't have, he's consistently just been, oh, you idiots. I hate this century because it's all full of idiots like you. I much prefer the 19th century where my talk about everybody being savages would have gotten on even better with everybody. Uh, Yeah. Their plan, by the way, and this, I think, leads leads into those group dynamics. Their plan is we're all going to take turns trying to get Ian free. If, He's the if one the that we one have to get If the person in your party is at such a higher level than everybody else, then yeah, you just throw all your potions at him. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get it, but it's still, it's, uh, and they can't do it, too. Like, they're just completely incompetent with it. Like, the thing that, like, in a minute here, they're going to get rescued by this old woman. And the old woman just has, like, a not very sharp-looking rock. It's just, like, a piece of flint that's been hit with other rocks a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um but they're working with, like, these shattered human bones, which also should be, like, decently sharp, but they just cannot, they can't do this. Like, they just have, like, some reeds wrapped around their wrists, and they're just like, nope, this is, this is un- untenable. It, it was, uh, it was confusing me a bit how difficult it was for them to get out of these. These are cavemen who are using just, just rocks, like, uh, no handle or anything as knives, right? Mm-hmm. So- but they have enough knowledge of twine to be able to make a, a knot that they can't get out of. Yeah, I mean, especially Ian, because Ian in a lot of these scenes is kind of this archetype of the like intrepid British explorer. You know, he's like, oh, you know, he he's he's grown up. He's just a school teacher in right. London, but he's grown up with all of these skills that every British schoolboy should learn. He's going to know how to make a fire with just basic tools he would find in the woods, or apparently even just in this cave. They didn't even have to go out and they just like in this cave could find the stuff to make a fire. Um, he's got all of these skills, but in this situation, even he's helpless to get out of these skins. They need an old woman to come and rescue them. And the old woman does come and rescue them, uh, insisting that they they not make fire in the process. Yeah, yeah, uh, she's really got a problem with fire. Yeah, so she spooks around outside uh, their the cave of skulls for a little while, uh, then breaks in, not through mm-hmm. the the rock that is like blocking the actual entrance, but through a hole. Um, yeah, so there's like a secret entrance to the Cave of Skulls, and there's the main entrance, and the main entrance has a big rock that it's not clear. Even Zaw seems to struggle to move it for a minute, but when he gets angry, he can do it. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can really move the big rock, um, but there is this secret entrance the old woman knows about. Right, and then uh, 
Let's see, is Cal, is it Cal and her mm-hmm. or is Zah and her? Uh, Zah and her. Zah is the yeah. is the main guy that comes with her, and then Cal is the other big challenger. Yeah, so Zah think that uh, Zah and uh, her think that the old woman is going to kill uh, who, in my notes, I just called the Whovians, <laughs> <So laughs> the group of people hanging out with the doctor. Uh, yeah, they're they're. Of I just called them there. the team, capitalized. The team. Oh yeah, okay. The team. Yeah. I think I wrote down Scooby Gang one time. Um, it just <laughs> it changed. <laughs> there needs to be a name like the Avengers. It's important for your notes to be inscrutable to anybody else that ever look at them. It's inscrutable to me. You see me pausing. I'm trying to read this. A combination of the note being uh, voice to text because I was trying not to pause the show too much. And then also like my own inconsistency, like the Whovians, the Scooby gang, the team. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's tough to get the, the voice to text to recognize Whovians. Oh, I'm sure I just typed that part out. <laughs> Man, you were committed to calling Whovians. Yeah. You know, stop the voice to text <laughs> and then type in Whovians and then start it again. Mm-hmm. All right. There are a few times yeah, where well, Cal is, is in here as Cal as well. Like that's that, fun. Like cow that moves. That would have made these episodes better. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I And I did enjoy the episodes, but, you know, there's always room for improvement. Um, and cows specifically yeah, yeah. are something that I feel like Doctor Who in general could probably work into the mix. <laughs> Um, we still don't get any indication of what this old woman's motivation is. Although I do have a thought as I'm watching this scene. I wonder if this old woman does know how to make fire. You know? So this is something I wanted to bring up tonight, actually. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, she died. Spoilers for later in the episode. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. To what end? I mean, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what she was about to begin with. She... Mm-hmm. She she died, and her death is important in that it becomes like a the whole. We'll get to this later. Trial. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I would I would have loved some reasoning from her, like fire fire bad, but but why fire bad? Yeah, when we were kind of last week, we were kind of praising this show for the writing and the acting. Um, but I think that in the, you know watching these episodes again, I was thinking, okay, this is where I'm actually seeing even the writing and the acting. Maybe like the acting is a little bit over dramatized in a few places. It's it's extremely camp, which I don't necessarily mind, but it's just it's just kind of hysterical sometimes. Uh, and the writing is fairly frequently like like the stuff about fear and hope, just kind of trite. Like it kind of feels like this is the these are the best kind of bromides that this like British writing team could come up with when they needed to put one of these out like once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she doesn't have any motivation and it doesn't seem like it would have been that hard for them to come up with a motivation that could have been kind of interesting. Like maybe her, how like her tent got burned down or something back when there was fire or something. Right. Yeah. Or she had some grudge against Zaw's dad that used to make fire. Like, there, there would be a reason that she thinks, no, we're better off, like, starving in the cold. Or um, my my uh, guess from the last episode. Yeah, your fan theory that, that she's, she's actually a time, a time traveler, traveler. Yeah, and she sees... That has seen how bad technology's <laughs> gonna go. Yeah, that would be fun, too. Uh, but instead, she sets them free just in time for uh, her and Zaw to show up, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, which mostly I know them showing up because they interrogate her, and then Zaw just kind of shoves her on the ground. I thought this was not su- not not super cool. 
Za. Uh, uh-huh. I know that it's kind of muddy because they're cavemen, right? But mm-hmm. I kind of see in Za as the good guy in and all this and good little bit good good guys don't throw old women on the ground yeah although what was the line from last week it was something along the lines of i will have to to kill some people and make them bow to me because the people were getting kind of restless he's not like a he's not a good guy good guy well this is the other theme i think besides the group dynamics within this crew the other theme for these episodes that kind of specific to these episodes is what these writers think a cave people society would look like right it's it makes me think a little bit of how people used to think of like pre Christendom during Christendom when there was this idea of like now we have the church and the church makes us good and 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 good people that don't do bad things like you know go and burn down the Middle East for you know crusades or something no we do good things mm-hmm. um and you just sort of assume that everybody before this happened must have just had no concept of goodness they just had no idea that you could even possibly be kind to another human being. I am consistently surprised in these episodes how baffled her, her specifically is uh-huh. by even the slightest kindness or even uh-huh. just cooperation. Yeah, just the idea that like any two like you sort of get the idea that her doesn't even understand why she's not trying to kill Za, you know? Like, she's consistently Zaw's ally at every single turn, and yet she doesn't understand this idea of, like, oh, the tribe is stronger than any individual member of the tribe. What? I don't understand. Why would we... Why do humans work together? Um, We should just... And even... Right? They have... uh, Ian tells her that he's a friend, and she doesn't know the word friend. So later on, she tells Zah that Ian's name is Friend, because she misunderstood him when he said that. Which is this, like, first of all, don't draw attention to the fact that these people shouldn't be able to understand each other, because there's no reason Kate people would be speaking English, right? That's Im- I assumed it fundamental was your narrative. Of, is it, doesn't, <laughs> they explain this later on in Doctor Who. I'm pretty sure, like, the TARDIS has some kind of mind field. Yeah, I think it does. It's the very <coughs> hand wavy word. It's a babblefish, but it's an automatic babblefish. Yeah, yeah. No, that's they, um. They like. Do... Sorry, you go first. No, that's okay. They they don't give us any indications like that here. I don't think we're supposed to think about it, right? They didn't think about it. Yeah. Well, so then These don't draw attention to it. Cavemen. Yeah. You have to know that, like, oh, okay, this is a thing. For our narrative, we need to be able to talk to the people here. And it's just going to be a bad show if everywhere we travel, we can't talk to people. So just don't draw attention to it. But then, And especially, like, if the word was camera or something, sure, yeah, they don't know what a camera is. But they know what a friend is. So my issue with this is less that they don't know what the word friend is and more that they don't know what the word friend is when they have a word for orb. <laughs> Which, well, that's because they don't have a word for sun. That is also confusing, because it definitely yeah. seems like sun would be a word you'd come up with before just They're both the pretty concept sim- simple it. words. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and the other thing that her, you know, I, I guess we should step forward to the narrative some, but her is also completely baffled by the idea of tending to a wound. Right, so let's let's get back to the... the yeah, let's get to the narrative, we'll get forward. there, and then we'll talk about it some more. Yeah, so what happens is... The Whovians escape. Uh-huh. Uh, 
the old woman gets uh knocked, the knocked down uh not not killed but like she's not okay you know you just <laughs> he wasn't very <laughs> eager to check yeah. on her and she is lying on the yeah, ground she's got um... but she's not dead yet whatever right i the uh <laughs> the scooby gang yeah they're running uh-huh. through the forest and mm-hmm. the doctor is again so tired i don't know how, uh-huh. i have no concept of how far they've run yeah but he he's holding this group back just at every turn he is the weak link he even makes a comment he's like don't treat me like i'm the weakest member uh-huh. he is the weakest. well and i'm not i'm not sure he is because also barbara is just completely hysterical at this point Bar- barbara sees a dead boar in a forest yeah. and loses mm-hmm. her mind like it is a child corpse that she's yeah. just uncovered it's a so it's a pig <laughs> They're trying to play this up, and here's here's what I think, though, is, is worth talking about. This is a life circumstance that is probably relative, is, is expected to be normal in this caveman society to these writers, that is unthinkable to modern humans, right? That's one of the things they're trying to emphasize here, is the idea of, like, a bunch of people grabbing hold of you and forcing you to live in a cave with a bunch of human skulls and like planning to sacrifice you to a god and like having to like be bound up in this cave and not sure what you're going to do is something that like modern british people should be traumatized by right because that's not something you ever experience as a school teacher in london specifically modern british women yeah yeah. yeah, Ian, you know, this is the kind of thing that he, you know, was was brought up in whatever the the British equivalent of Boy Scouts is. Maybe it's just Boy Scouts, I don't know. Are they international? No. Okay. Whatever it is. You know British are all about about their explorer things as as school children like anybody else, probably especially more than anybody else. Boy chums. Um, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Ian is a member Man, of the Boy some British listeners that hate us, yeah. which is a problem for a Doctor Who podcast. Um, <laughs> the only people who watch Doctor Who, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're making some strategic errors. Anyway, uh, Ian certainly is at least like, he clearly, the kind of survival skills that you see kids in like Hatchet or something having, he clearly has like studied some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. He has some idea of like how you would be like a scout leader. Um, Barbara can't handle that stuff. And surprisingly neither can the doctor who doesn't really have an excuse he seems like he really should probably have some survival skills he doesn't have any survival skills and then we're going to rewind to go forward uh Mm -hmm. za follows them into the forest and gets attacked by a living boar Mm -hmm. and and well we never see it i don't think we ever find out what the monster is right uh, I guess that's true. I assumed it was another It's supposed boar. to be something bigger than the boar, because if we it's implied that whatever the monster is killed the boar. Yeah, my unimaginative mind pictured another larger boar. Uh-huh. And their lack of budget pictured nothing at all. Right. No, yeah. no prop whatsoever no for this answer. big monster. I'm, I'm as correct as anyone. It's just, it's just uh-huh. another bigger boar. Uh, <laughs> so Zog gets attacked by what may be a boar, may be a minotaur. Uh-huh. Um... He's falling on the he he's 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 on the ground bleeding. Uh, Barbara tells her to go get water to clean the wound, and hers response is to look at all the blood and go, "Well, this 
water coming out of his body. This is not the first time cavemen have seen blood. I know that for yeah. a fact. Yeah. They're, like, all about murder. That's one of the big things you guys are emphasizing, is how much they're like, all about killing. They don't to the have point that they hobbies. are shocked by somebody that doesn't kill. And then... Water coming out of his body? What is that? It just struck me as really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... They heal him up. Um, let's see, what do I have in my notes? We'll want to, I'm marking this. We'll want to trim this part down because I'm reading and talking. Sure. Yeah, they ask the doctor to help, and his response is, I'm not a doctor of medicine. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks, buddy. Kind of dismissive, too, though. It's, it's, I'm not a doctor of medicine. Right. Yeah, no, it's good. And then yeah, uh, they, they ask him for a, a hand, you know, when they're putting Zaw on the stretcher. And the mm -hmm. doctor just cold shoulders them. He doesn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and so I actually do want to pause on this. But first, I want to submit, I'm not a doctor of medicine to the to the candidate list for polstering quotes. Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's not terrible. But also, there's this kind of moral crisis at this point in the crew. And this is where, for the most part, I don't think Barbara gets a ton of credit. Um, but Barbara gets a little bit of credit here because Barbara is the one who says, we have to go back and tend to his wounds. He's a human being, right? Mm -hmm. And good honor, this is, it's a human being who also just saved your life, right? Right. I mean, you guys are the idiots that got stuck back here and didn't know how to take care of yourselves. Zaw is not perfect, don't get me wrong, but he did just save you from that monster. The least you could do is, like, check if he's all right. Um, so Barbara immediately says she has to go back. Ian at first is like, well, no, well, you're right. And he follows her. And then Susan follows her. And the doctor is the last one who really tries to convince, first of all, convince the rest of them not to go back. And then tries to convince just Susan. Let's just leave them here in caveman times and run back to the TARDIS. And Susan says, no, we can't do that. And he's still extremely upset that nobody is like, well, these aren't people. These don't have moral value. We don't need to do anything for them. Let's just go back to the ship. Yeah. Uh, and he actually has like a, a like after they stop and say, okay, we're going to try and tend to this guy. Um, he has a moment where he now tries to convince Ian, no, what are you doing? We can't do this. We can't take her. Like, we should just go back to the ship. And he had a, let's see, uh, uh, this is a word I'm always, every time this happens in this show, I'm going to point it out. I'm sorry if anybody is annoyed by this, but the line is, one minute ago, we were de desperately trying to get away from these savages. I'm like, well, yeah, but then he saved your life. I don't know. Like, what's the... <laughs> the uh, this is the same character who, two minutes later, said, like, we can't trust them. They seem to change their minds constantly. Yeah, which, to be fair, he is right. They do seem to change their minds constantly and in the sense that surely her has seen blood before and yet she is completely shocked to see blood coming out of a human being. So clearly the like, object permanence is just kind of missing from these cavemen, right? <laughs> Even so, it. it's still just like, I mean, and the only reason they're that way is because the writers have written them that way, which means that the writers are like maybe a little bit on the doctor's side here, right? Like, yeah, they're like they're not even really people. They don't have moral worth. You shouldn't be like stopping to take care of this guy. That is a perspective I did not even consider 
but it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm coming at this from the perspective of thinking that, like, these cavemen, they're worth more than than they're being, you know... Yeah, the, the doctor is wrong that he's of. like some kind of sour old asshole to be saying, oh, we're going to get on iTunes explicit, Mark, now. Uh, that, like, yeah. he's, he's being a real jerk, that's for you, iTunes, uh, to say that like we should just leave these guys behind i'm not sure that that actually is the writer's position but we can give them a little bit i mean at least they're acknowledging the question right it's not they aren't at least just assuming well of course we wouldn't care about like you know there's not like a huge caveman body count because they just kill a bunch of cavemen on their way out of this dimension like they they are at least acknowledging the question i don't even really think that there's a question like they're just people like there's not there's nothing controversial about this (laughs) Um, the end of the, the Ian and Doctor like discussion, by the way, does end with Ian saying, he's right, we're too exposed here, we need to make a stretcher. Mm-hmm. Which is bizarre, because that's not what the Doctor's saying at all. And the Doctor certainly doesn't seem happy with this outcome, because even though Ian is saying, the Doctor's right, you know, we, we need to try and find a way to carry this guy back to the TARDIS. The Doctor's saying, he's not worth anything. He has no moral value. We owe him nothing. We should run out of here and let him die. Which, to the Doctor's, you know, point, they probably would have just made it out if they had just run back to the TARDIS. It's true. And, and <laughs> you know, the, the show hasn't delved into this at all, but, like, that's the perspective of a person who has, like, seen a lot. You know? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, when when you've when you are when your own life is is traversing millennia, what is like a single human life to you? Yeah, especially and a, I mean a, a, primi- a primitive one. I don't know that so that's necessarily I, here's a, the intent. Um, here's a fun fan theory. I'll just pause on for a moment here. He was awfully pointed about how much he hates the 20th century. Does that imply that he has spent some time in some unpleasant parts of the 20th century? Because there's some pretty unpleasant parts of the the 20th century that you might live through for a bit and wind up concluding, just fucking leave this caveman. We just, the lives aren't worth anything. We just throw these away like it's nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if the doctor spent, like, a few months in Verdun... <laughs> right. <laughs> now, I don't know why he would do that. Maybe the TARDIS was broken or something. But... You know, maybe that's part of where he's coming from here. Is like he's fairly recently seen some really horrible things from the 20th century. Not not to discount any of the tragedies of any number of places, but the Doctor being traditionally British, even mm-hmm. just spending time in England, not so good. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not as bad as other places, but not, mm-hmm. not a good time, certainly. Mm-hmm. Now, we have another storyline... That is going on. Ten- this show is interesting. And this is just from a formatting perspective. I think this is interesting. And I think probably kind of impressive. It is tough to break this show up into scenes. You know? Yeah. Like even at the start of this show, you had. They're showing them in the cave. And then they cut to the old woman. And then they're showing them in the cave some more. And then they cut to the old woman some more. And then they cut to Zaw and her talking about, oh, I saw the old woman. go, And then they cut to the cave again, like, they're cutting back and forth between these different scenes kind of rapidly in a way that makes it so that I can't really divide this episode into scene one, scene two, scene three. 
it really it, we it might be uh, beneficial to talk about if it continues like this to talk about it in the future is like plot a plot b yeah totally well they they wind up converging because the other plot of course is that cal it's not clear exactly why he did this but you know because he he didn't see the old woman go in or something but he decides to go into the cave of skulls after after everybody else has left and he finds the old woman yeah and then he just tells everybody yeah zah killed the old woman and well, first he kills the old woman. Well, first, first he kills the old woman, and then he just turns around like with a bloody knife in his hand and goes, "Yeah, Zah killed killed her, just straight up." Yeah, murdered which, her. Which this is supposed to be a real indictment of Cal. It is worth saying, Zah very easily could have killed the old woman. <laughs> like you have to imagine, as Cal is shouting, "Zah killed the old woman," Zah mm-hmm. is over here thinking, "Did she make it?" I did just kind of leave her on the ground moaning, and I didn't do anything to help her, but... Her hip hit I didn't the stab her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nothing but universal disdain for this old woman from everyone. Yeah. Well, and a, you know, she seems to share it for what everybody else is doing. So everybody believes Cal. Sure. Well, um, and he even claims to have... He calls him, like, Eyes... He has, like, eyes of prophecy. They're like, well, we can't ask the old woman what happened now. She's dead. Oh, no. And he says, oh, my eyes can see. I can talk to her with my prophetic eyes. I can see that Zah killed her and let them go. And I don't even know what Zah's motivation is supposed to be in this story. But uh, everybody immediately buys it. She's dead. Your, Your story includes her being dead. Therefore, it must be what happened. That's pretty much it. They make it back yeah. to the ship. Uh, and we get our cliffhanger. And that's the cliffhanger. Uh-huh. They're, they think they're, they're home free, and then some cavemen come out from behind a rock with a spear. And, oh, well, this is... Hmm, this is trouble. Thoughts and feelings? Uh... Let's review the episode. Yeah, This is a little segment so, I like to call reviewing the episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know that I feel qualified to be like a reviewer in the sense of like giving scores exactly. Um, uh, I think that the keyman politics are weaker. It. Yeah, why don't you rank it within the context of the three that we've seen so far? I, sure. I know we've watched. I, all I think four, it's. But... I think it's easily the weakest. Absolutely. I. I mean, and and you know, not to get ahead of myself, I think it's weaker than than the fourth episode too. But the like. The two big themes here, like I was talking about, are the group dynamics, which are kind of one note, at least throughout this episode. It's kind of just, well, Ian is in charge, and he clearly can do everything, and everybody else is kind of useless. But the Doctor is the one that is, like, kind of annoyed about it. And on the other hand, you have the, like, caveman politics, but the caveman politics aren't actually that interesting in this one, because it's just kind of... They don't understand anything. They don't understand blood. For all we know, this big cold is just the winter. I think that... And they just don't understand that it gets cold once a year. I never would have thought I'd say this, but I think they went too far with making the cavemen stupid. <laughs> yeah. No, the Geico caveman is just tearing his hair out on yeah. this one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's rough. And the, and the the trouble is that that makes it, I think, less interesting. Like, I think what was kind of interesting in the last episode was where you had these moments where it felt like there was almost like a political debate happening between Cal and Zah. 
Mm-hmm. And you could kind of see elements of like, oh, this is not actually that that far from me seeing like two presidential candidates just like up on a stage trying to get in zingers against each other and trying to sound like I stand for the crowd and I'm promising you good things. But he never keeps his promises. And it was sort of felt like, oh, this is actually this feels relatable. And it gives you this feeling of, oh, these kinds of forms of power have gone back through millennia. Right. This episode is none of that. And you get a little bit of that in the next episode, but what this episode has is like it's so transitional. There, mm-hmm. the episode is named after the Forest of Fear, and a good portion of it takes place there. But like that monster, I was ex- when I was watching this the first time because I've now seen the episode twice. I was expecting that monster to play into it more, other than like just being a plot device for incapacity. Yeah. Um. I actually, I would not hate, and obviously they didn't have the budget for this, I feel like I would have liked this episode a lot more if the monster had been a much bigger part of the conflict. Mm-hmm. And there had been, like, a, a full minute or a minute and a half dedicated to some goofy, like, big costume monster fighting with Zaw, and maybe somebody else having to step in and try and help him or something like that, and then there's a you know big dramatic scene. That probably would have been, maybe you have I to think, more interesting than... Yeah, well, and that's like, you know... It was like the Mandalorian or something, then 20 minutes of the 25 minutes would have been fighting a monster, right? Yeah, that's great. And that would have been great. <laughs> I would have had a great time with that. Um, and they certainly, it's not as though they didn't have some filler in there talking about fear and hope or something like that that really we didn't need and it, I don't think it added that much. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have a budget for a big monster costume, you don't have a budget for a big monster costume. Honestly, I'm impressed they came up with a boar. They could have stuck that boar head on a person. That would have been fun. Put it closer to the camera. Yeah. Yeah. I would have liked that a lot. I think that would have been fine. But but yeah, the this episode, it seemed very much the, like, I know that this is a four episode, uh, what are they called? Series? No. Yeah. Arc. Whatever. Four serial. episode arc. Cer- serial. That's the word. Uh, this is a four episode serial. Really, it's a three episode though. Because mm-hmm. that that yeah. that the first episode is is really just this is what the show is exactly. So yeah. this episode being the second of three for this serial is really like it's the middle act that doesn't have any meat to it. It's just the middle act exists to get you from the first act to the third act. Yeah, I guess it is kind of a. It's like you walk out of two towers and you don't know how to feel because. It's it's not the whole heroic arc. You need, you're not in your third act yet, mm-hmm. so you're still kind of in this limbo. But they're not putting out the next movie for a couple of years. So you're just you know. Well, in the meantime, I don't know. Meanwhile, uh, Matrix Reloaded. Mm-hmm. You felt the same way, but then was it Revolutions, the third one? I think that's right. That came out like two months later. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah do that well it is especially you know you're Irre- gonna need people to doctor who but as time goes on people are not going to feel more favorable about the matrix after you release that first one you gotta get in your one-two punch before people have managed to figure out oh this is bad we shouldn't know that was you know? almost certainly the the thought behind it like maybe they originally were gonna release it like a two years later but as soon as they saw the reviews they're like drop it drop it fast go 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 I like that. Put out the DVDs now. Animatrix will redeem us. 
<laughs> I thought I heard they were filming like a fourth proper Matrix. I I heard that a few years ago, and then nothing else. So I feel like it probably isn't Pro- happening. Yeah, everything's always they're constantly saying, "Oh, they're going to make a video game movie out of such and such," and then they never do, or they do, and it's terrible. You know, it's how it goes. I like ten years ago, I heard that they were making a so there's Escape from New York. This is not mm-hmm. relevant to the podcast at all. There's Escape no, from New perfect. York sequel, Escape from L.A. Uh-huh. Um, I read somewhere that they were making a third, writing the script for a third movie called Escape from Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hasn't happened yet, and it probably won't at this point, and that's very disappointing. Mm-hmm. I think Kurt Russell's too old for that role, but and I yeah, wouldn't yeah. want anybody but Kurt Russell to be in that role. Uh-huh. I want Kurt Russell I was to be watching... the doctor, actually. Yeah, just to, just to you know, uh, tangents within tangents within tangents. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching some people playing Kerbal Space Program the other day, and somebody talked about, like, getting stranded on the moon and needing to escape from the moon. And one of them just said under his breath, starring Kurt Russell. And yes. I was just like, yes. yes, now I need this movie. That's, I just want, Kurt, like, a series of movies where Kurt Russell escapes from various things. <laughs> yeah escape from the sun yeah escape from the forest <laughs> of fear yeah speaking of as our heroes are leaving the forest of fear we now have to drop into our fourth episode are we ending this episode or are we just continuing to talk we i have prefer... 40 minutes for this one episode oh but yeah also... but that's that's I mean, honestly, like ninety percent of what we just said isn't going to make it through editing, right? Uh, I think I thought that was all comedy gold. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, probably what we'll do is we'll keep on putting these episodes out as like episode one and two are one episode, and episode three and four are one episode. But halfway through, we'll talk like we are cutting for the next episode, but they'll still just be part of one recording on the same RSS feed. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So, so welcome back, listeners. Uh-huh. The Firemaker. The final episode mm-hmm. of this series. They only ever made episodes. four episodes of Doctor Who. Right. Not sure <laughs> why it became such a hit. Yeah. It was sort of the PT of its time. Right. Two hours of... of, of not even. Like, not even two hours, yeah. With commercials. I wonder what commercials were like back then. Yeah, I wish I could see the original commercials. I would, I would actually watch a version of this that had commercials. Yeah, it would add something. Hmm. Anyway, episode mm-hmm. four. Yeah. What do we got? We got. Uh, we we open on the cliffhanger as usual. Open on the cliffhanger. Uh, cut to her telling. Cal that Zaw was saved like they're, they're, like they're not bad people yeah. they, they, he had water coming out of him uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they plugged it up I guess she's still really stunned by this idea of like tending to a wound yeah I I would have thought that this would be something that the cavemen would have encountered before I would rate the average caveman as probably better at dealing with like basic field wounds than the average British school teacher from 1963 or whatever. Unless you're a boy chum. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, her is her is telling them that, and meanwhile, Cal is telling his same story about how Ah Zaw killed the old lady and then was going to run off into the woods. Uh, and I, it's still not very clear what Zaw's motivation was. Would have been there in that story. He's going to run off with the strangers and start a family with them or something. Presumably, like maybe he's just defecting to a different, better tribe. I don't know. They do have weird skins they wear on their feet. Uh, yeah. Like, their their footprints look weird. Yeah. <laughs> they wear skins on their feet. Yeah. When did shoes um, come around? This is... uh, I think people probably would have been putting skins on their feet from pretty early, surely. You think so? You know? You ever tried to walk around in the woods barefoot? Well, you and me, because we're soft-footed lads. Sure. But... You know, you walk around. You walk around enough. You get calluses on your feet. They're basically just shoes. Like, yeah, I actually think yeah, shoes probably maybe. came around a lot later than the rest of clothing. That might be true. I don't think they were especially concerned with historical accuracy in this context in the show, though. You know, maybe that's just my bad thinking of it from that perspective uh Uh, we do get the doctor here is the most effective he's been in several episodes the only time he's effective as far as i'm concerned when he pulls Mm -hmm. what my notes describe as a trickaroony which is he uh you know points out the unbloodied knife and says there's no blood on this one yeah well so to set it up cal is shouting Zaw killed the old woman. Zaw killed the old woman with his knife. And he pulls out what is apparently Zaw's knife. I guess everybody recognizes everybody's knife or something. The old woman had it. But I think she stole it from Zaw. She doesn't have a knife of her own. Yeah, and then the, the doctor says, like, there's no, Points out, there's no blood on this. Yeah, there's no blood on that knife. And he's, oh, it's a bad knife. It doesn't show what it has done. So then, Which, that's a it's an interesting concept. I do, yeah. No, I mean it is actually like the idea of a caveman not understanding the idea of friendship, but understanding the idea that it would be good for human tools to have audit trails. Right, like, like <laughs> oh, this is this is this would be a nice hammer, but it doesn't conform to our laws of causal reality. What a shame! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, things keep happening before I do them. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do I do like that. Um, and then the doctor winds up just playing on Cal's sort of pride uh, in his knife yeah. by insulting his knife and saying, this is the best knife I've ever seen. I bet you don't have a better knife than this one. Can tricking Cal into pulling out his knife, saying, see, this is a great knife. That's a, a different side of the doctor. Yeah, uh, yeah. Be, be intrigued. Well, it isn't. It isn't charisma. because I think that like trickery and manipulating people has kind of been his strength this entire time, right? I mean, all through the first episode, we were pointing out how evasive and gaslighting he was. You know, in the first episode, yes. I think in episodes two and three, I would say that he's been less like manipulative and more kind of just like. Like you're on a road trip, uh, with a, a like a teenager who does not <laughs> want to be on the road trip with you. Yeah, no, that's that's about right. I mean, he's sort of a stereotypical old man, I think. 
Um, Ian actually even has the line of, you're just a stubborn old man. Like when you're on a road trip with an old man who doesn't mm want to be on the road trip. First of all, that's a crime. (laughs) That's kidnapping, Drake. You can't. And I hope this hasn't happened to you very often. If any cops are listening, this is purely hypothetical. I just I just pick up old people and relocate them. <laughs> just drive them three hours and then trade them out with a different one. You don't even charge a fee. <laughs> no, this is this is all for free. <laughs> I do it out of the kindness of my heart. Oh, for your own purposes. For my own pleasure. It's the gift <laughs> of giving. You know, it's like uh-huh. I get that Christmas season feeling all year. Yeah. Especially in the hot months, because I do mm-hmm. this mostly in Arizona. <laughs> So you're very intimately familiar with the kind of character that uh, the doctor's been showing in the last couple episodes. But this is a new doctor here where he's actually coming up with tricky plans to accomplish something. And he's manipulating the crowd. He's a little bit of a politician here, actually. He's kind of a, a public intellectual for these cavemen. There's helping them sort out their politics and say, you should throw out this politician and embrace this one. I like this bit, too. Yeah, this totally. is this is uh, you know I, I've been I've been down on the doctor in these last couple of episodes, but I enjoyed this bit. Uh, this is the kind of the, the side of the doctor that I would like to see more. He doesn't have to be nice, and he doesn't have to be fun. I, I just want to see him active. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, totally. Ian is not. He should, It's not the Ian show. It should be. It should be the doctor yeah. show. Ian's going to be off of this show at some point. Spoilers, listeners. Uh, and you know, I mean, I don't know exactly when, but the doctor's going to stick around and I'm going to have to still like want to watch him, you know? I wonder when the, just like, sp- like spoilers sort of for the later series, but uh-huh. when did the tradition of, uh, bad endings for the companions begin? <laughs> Like, like can, can, can we expect Ian and uh, Barbara and Susan, who we've like barely mentioned because she doesn't do anything other than kind of just yeah, she hasn't done much so far. Uh, I, I actually, I she has a moment do in the know end that of this she episode. ends up being more of a character later on, so that I'm not making any judgment. Mm-hmm. It is what it is right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Oh, well, you're, you're, I think you were sort of starting to say, like, you wonder when some of the modern aspects of Doctor Who actually enter into this, right? I'm wondering at what point, like, Ian and Barbara get left inside of uh, an infinite time prism, and he has to, yeah. like, f- just find new people to hang out with. Or just, like, a big whale or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, the fields of Verdun. Or maybe, like, the, he drops them off in their normal, like, houses in England, but their minds have been completely shattered yeah. beyond all recognition mm-hmm. classic yeah stuff. no i i am curious i mean ian is a little bit too powerful and barbara so far has not been that much of a character i wonder if we're gonna have to at least have some kind of romantic development between them before before that goes somewhere though right yeah i, I would like to see what happens with susan yeah, totally. No, I'm, I'm very curious because Susan is the one that stands out most knowing later Doctor Who and having seen just these few episodes of early Doctor Who stands out most as a lore problem. What is this character doing in this bigger lore? She really seems to keep on saying grandfather after that cover story is no longer the deal, right? Is he just her grandfather? Is that what's happening here? 
that seems kind of wild that right. that wouldn't like come up at some point that he's got a granddaughter. So are there two but, time lords? No, I mean minimum. Is this like, maybe something terrible happens to Susan and there's still only one time lord by the by the time you know Eccleston comes around? So the time war, right? That kind yeah. of messes him up. That happens after the classic Who, right? So maybe there are a bunch of time lords. Yeah, maybe that's what's going on. Maybe maybe most of what we think of as, oh, he's the only Time Lord and all that, that's, that's modern all stuff. modern stuff that came in between, you know, Doctors 8 and 9 or something. Maybe that's it. Maybe he really is her grandfather. Or whatever. Or like, maybe, it's, maybe it's in the next episode. Maybe it's episode 5 that all this happens. It might literally just be, like, in episode 5. You're right. Yeah. I, I know what the next episode patch is about and i'm looking forward to it <laughs> i'm curious uh let's see ian has an inspirational line that he gives Zaw here he says remember cal is not stronger than the whole tribe which Zaw really seems to seems to think on seems to take that one to heart that's a uh, not an especially profound thing but i guess they're cavemen yeah, like it's, one person it's not, not. I mean, the implication is supposed to be, oh, they don't understand anything like this, so it's still really meaningful to even right. say this little bit. I don't really buy it, but whatever. I mean, <laughs> actually, there's a classic story about uh, Genghis Khan that at some point he takes all of his kids out in the field, and, you know, they're horse archers. They're all about shooting bows and arrows. So he takes one arrow in front of all of, all of his like kids and grandkids and stuff, and he just snaps it. And then he takes a bundle of arrows, and he, like, makes the same motion, but he can't snap the bundle of arrows. And this is sort of supposed to be a message to his kids that, like, if we can stick together, then we'll be strong and nothing can nothing can end our rule. But if we all, if, we're, if we fight each other and we wind up all being as individuals, then we can be broken. Uh, it's like uh, everybody try and stick together and, you know, didn't work. They also immediately start killing each other or whatever, but... Uh, that's a, that's at least a thing that people have put out as, like, an inspirational sentiment. Right. I mean, you know, in a way, the cavemen sort of invented... Not democracy. <laughs> Something like but it. like, some crude representative Power politics. Right? It's no yeah. longer, like... It's no longer the fire maker is in charge because according to uh, Ian, um, the fire maker the fire maker is the, is least, the least important man in society. Yeah, I don't know that that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that they're the most important, but I I don't know that. I mean, I don't know who our fire makers exactly are. Are they like is is SDG and E my fire maker? Yeah. Well, okay. So rule of threes, I have to come back to this. Uh, maybe uh -huh. in the boy chums, he. Uh -huh. Like there's some fire hierarchy, like the, the yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it would be a thing in the boy chums yeah. that whoever is like the lowest boy chum, that the rest of them like he has to sit there and try and make a fire while all the other boy chums are spitting on the fire he's trying to make. This <laughs> is making it difficult for him the entire time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's rough on. Those yeah, kids. good old good old days at boarding school mm -hmm. for Ian, trying to make this fire <laughs> while they're all spitting on it. Um. 
The doctor, as effective as he was in this scene at convincing everybody to throw Cal out of the tribe because he killed the old woman and make Zah a leader, his plan doesn't work out because Zah is kind of an Egyptian pharaoh here. He's, you know, they keep on saying, okay, if we do this and you're going to let us go, right? And he says, yeah, and then, and then it happens. And then he says, I'm not going to let your people go. Right. His, his heart hardens. <laughs> yeah, he, he does, he... They they want to leave, he says no, because what tribe could be better, right? Like, I know there's nothing good <laughs> on the other side of the mountain, and you keep walking toward the other side of the yeah. mountain, so mm-hmm. I'm not falling for this. Mm-hmm. So first, they cast Cal out. They help him cast Cal out. They think he's gonna, you know, put them in charge now. He's gonna let them free. He doesn't let them free. He puts them back in the Cave of Skulls. So then they're in the Cave of Skulls, and Ian manages to gather somehow in this cave that seems to only have skulls in it, manages to gather the stuff to make a fire. Which would have been pretty good for getting free from his bonds earlier, probably, but whatever. Maybe he just brought it all in with him. Oh, yeah. When they were headed back in, he stuffed some of it in his coat. Just Uh, a short short shot. Of that mm-hmm. happening would have gone along. Yeah, any any justification would have been would have been something, but whatever. I don't care that much. Uh, he maybe they asked the guard to bring some of this stuff in, and the guard was like, "Oh, sure, yeah. What are you going to do with sticks? That's fine. Grass, sure. Cal- Grass Cal- is free in our time, right? Uh, Za leaves to go get meat. Oh no, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet, because first Zaw has to uh, decide that, oh, that Ian guy, who her tells him now, is, or Ian's name is Friend. Um, that Friend guy, he seems pretty wise. He had that thing about how the tribe is, is stronger than just Cal, or whatever. That, that seems like it's my kind of interest. I better go talk to him. I bet he's pretty pretty wise. And he also says he doesn't seem to want to kill them, but... He doesn't want to be tossed out in the forest like Zaw or like Cal, mm-hmm. so he must make fire, or they must die. It's reasonable. He needs. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, sure. If I was the pharaoh, I don't know. Yeah, if I was the pharaoh and I didn't have any means of making fire, I would absolutely make these strangers make me fire, or else I would sacrifice them to the fire god and maybe get it that way. I get it. Uh, when he shows up, though, they're already making fire. Good, great. They're on top. Yeah. Like the best kind of employee is one that does, is a self starter. Uh huh. Yeah, and that way Zaw doesn't have to be a micromanager. Yeah, nobody wants that. This is the best. This mm-hmm. is the best situation for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, so we get some political discussion here, right. as we mentioned earlier. This idea of oh, you must be the leader, and Ian goes out of his way to say no. That that old man is our leader. He goes out of his way to point out the doctor as being the leader. And I don't quite know what's happening there. It's a callback to earlier when Ian indicated that maybe he was in charge. Right. But I don't know what is... I mean, there might be an aspect here of, hey, these cave people seem like they might be the we're going to kill your leader to make you docile kind of folk. So why don't we tell them the doctor's the leader? Maybe there's an aspect of that, but that doesn't really seem like an Ian type of motivation. No, that's not... That's... Those aren't the values that they instill uh, in the boy chums. But I was thinking he was 
placating the doctor. Yeah. Right? Not clear if it works or not. Um, but there is like it it feels almost uh didactic. How they're like, you know, this is our political message that we want to share with you cave people. Is it any kind of like modern technology thing? No. Is it any kind of like hey, you should probably stop worshipping the sun and also stop killing people or something. No, 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 that's all fine. We know that's that's how you're going to do it. Uh, but we do want to tell you that everybody in your tribe should know how to make fire and that shouldn't be how you elect leaders. Which, you know, actually, reasonable advice, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with this as a modern person. Uh-huh. Um, and Zah seems like he's kind of getting it with the fire thing, but we now have Cal show up. And there's another fight. He kills the guard outside. Yeah. And he comes in. This is the most bizarre fight. He's like kind of choreographed. Was it? Well, like it is, but in the way where you have somebody like swinging a club way up in the air and then missing three feet on the left. And you know that it was like scripted for them to miss at that point, but they did not know how to sell it, you know? So this came out, what, like three three years before Star Trek, I think? Something mm-hmm. like that? And like three weeks after Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah. as a, Probably as a direct result. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think Star Trek's goal with their fight scenes was to be just, just better than this. <laughs> and I remember watching some of those original series Star Trek fight scenes and thinking, this is a little campy. No, nobody has ever like held both of their fists above their head and smashed them down on somebody instead of like just throwing a punch. <laughs> yeah, I mean that at least felt a little pro wrestling. The ones that felt really goofy was when somebody is like holding a club up for kind of a long time to give the other guy a chance to get out of the way of it, and then swinging it like two feet to the left of the other guy, yeah. and then having the other guy step on the club to put it on the ground. You, uh, this is you're not selling it. But the thing that I, I think is more notable in this scene is first of all the music. I don't know if you remember. I it's don't. this very. Like, English writers want to have tribal music. It's like this kind of dramatic... It's kind of good, though. They're drums, but they're they're not regular drums. They're not like a steady drum beat or something. It's this, like, almost, like... If you you ever... um, scene. Yeah. uh, Boy, what is the name of that game? There's a a game where you play as a gorilla that has to break out of a... I think it's just called Breakout... I might be wrong. I think that's a different thing. Uh, but you play as a gorilla that has to break out of these different different environments, and it has these procedurally generated drums that that grow as you are punching guys. So, like, in the moment where you're hitting guys, there'll be a ton of drums, and it'll get kind of sparse. It felt like that, where it was, like, suddenly really intense drums were kind of backing off and not really keeping any very consistent rhythm. That sounds cool. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I didn't notice this at all, I, so I definitely need to... Yeah, you should go back and watch the scene, because the other thing you should go back and watch about the scene is interspersed in this scene, while we're having the kind of janky choreographed fighting, we also get close-ups of each of the characters of our main four, right? Mm -hmm. And it does the Doctor first, who has this kind of, like, vaguely disgusted, like, maybe a little bit bored, but he is kind of interested to see these guys kill each other kind of look on his face. Mm -hmm. Then it goes back to the fighting for a bit. Then it goes to Ian... Who just looks, like, a little bit confused or annoyed. Like, there's a little bit of a look on, like, why did you do that that way or something like that? 
next one is Susan, and Susan just looks mortified at these two like grown men that are about to murder each other in front of her. Um, as, for as near as we can tell, she's like fourteen, and she's about to see a man kill another man. Um, and Barbara is. At some point. Yeah, Barbara is deeply pained and like can't look. She's actually looking away. It's um, which, Barbara. Yeah, and you almost wonder what the like char- what the direction was on set to these characters. It's like, okay, now we're going to do the close up of your face. That's supposed to be while you're watching these two guys kill each other, right? I honestly, it. I hope that that is uh, maybe developed a little more because just as a person watching this, how long after? 60 years yeah close to 60 years afterward yeah it sort of just feels like the women characters in this are written to not be able to emotionally handle really anything kind of and i I would would obviously very much like that not to be the case uh but susan is kind of she doesn't do enough to be either way i guess but Mm. yeah barbara spends half of every episode just nuzzling her face into ian's chest and crying about anything yeah it's too cold it's too hot orb you sort of hope air. that barbara's gonna get her chance to have like a hero moment she and like she kind of really demonstrate kind of like value somewhere empathy you know in a, yeah in episode three which is nice yeah she got that just a little bit in episode three to say like that's a person that just saved our lives and is now dying on the ground and we should probably check if they're okay that was a good thing although then she didn't actually do it she just went and said we should do this and then ian mostly was doing the actual tending right. um yeah because he he's the, the super the super british explorer that can do everything um it would be nice to see Barbara kind of in her element at some point. That's something I'm going to be hoping for in the, in the future is to see Barbara like really save the day or like really like demonstrate that she has like something to offer that the other characters don't have. Yeah. Look, looking for more from Barbara, I would I would like for Susan to to flex her intelligence. Yeah, uh, she's supposed really to be really up. smart. Yeah, in the first one, and the writers don't quite know how to handle that. We, you know, certainly we even talked about you know active and inactive chemicals and that kind of thing. Right. But there might be a chance to to really flex that. Um, it's tough writing a character more knowledgeable than than the writer. It is worth noting these four clearly have a dog in this fight. Like they clearly would favor Zaw over Cal. Like, Cal must fucking hate them now, because they got Cal kicked out of the village. Yeah. Meanwhile, Zaw is like, I mean, he hasn't set them free yet, but he seems like he's kind of on their side. They're, like, showing him fire, and he seems kind of into it. But they still just, like, stand by and let these guys fight. They don't, like, intervene in any way. I mean, do do any of them have enough combat skills to get involved? They certainly, at least earlier, were thinking that Ian was going to have to defend them. So they were thinking, oh, you know, Ian might have something to offer. I mean, I get it. He's a nerd. What I'd like to see from Ian coming up is more Mm -hmm. not getting along with the Doctor. Yeah, he's doing plenty of that. Since he's he's doing enough of, like, just being the general most useful person, I think that's, like, that's already solidified even after four episodes. I would like more yeah. more budding heads. I'm yeah. half expecting Ian at some point to get transformed into a sonic screwdriver. 
Okay, yeah, because he is he is the sonic screwdriver of the group right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we apologize, viewers, for leaving you in suspense for so long about the outcome of this fight. Uh, Zaw does win out narrowly over Cal uh, and kills him and drops a big rock on his head to kill him. Brutal. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Even you know, Barbara was looking away for a lot of this fight. Even Susan is looking away, mortified by by the end. A surprising amount of uh, like the budget for this episode was spent on his head exploding. Yeah, just gore constantly. Which I get it. It's a it's a choice. I don't. It's it might be the choice I would make. No, I mean it seemed like money well spent. Yeah, you know, even even to be in Technicolor. Uh, when the rest of the episode was in black and white, I think it was uh, Schindler's <laughs> List esque. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they don't they don't say too many words over Cal. You know, he gets dragged off into the corner. Whatever, He's it's fine. His body will just matter. stay there. Yeah. This is why we have a cape of skulls, honestly. Although his skull is going to also be you know cracked wide open uh the the crowd at this point this is sort of another side plot that's been happening back at the cave they've been really angry because they feel like they haven't heard from Zaw in a long time and they don't know what he's doing in the cave and they're all kind of you know uh, about ready to riot mm-hmm. like we need meat you know you're gonna run away with these these strangers and take fire and not do anything for us uh, and her is trying to con- do damage control. She's kind of doing PR for them and by like shouting at her dad that he should be killed. But it doesn't, it's still not working. Everybody's getting kind of worked up. So Ian gives Zaw a torch to show to the tribe to be like, okay, go and placate them with this. Wait, say that again. He, Ian gives Zaw a torch to go and show to the tribe. And say, okay, go placate them with this. Right. Then they'll, we they'll feel better. Yeah. Zaw, this this is when Zaw leaves to go hunting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because the the group... I don't know why. I watched this episode an hour ago, and my notes stopped right before this. So I've lost the, the thread here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I have notes, so I can cover this. Th- this is when they, they make a, another torch, but they put a skull on it. And this is like... Oh, so not for a moment, because we get another Pharaoh moment of, okay, now now we we drove Cal out for you, so now you're going to let us go, right? And he says, no, I'm going to put you back in the Cave of Skulls. And I say, okay, you killed Cal, and we gave you fire. We gave you this torch to show to the people. Now you're unambiguously leader. You should be pretty happy, right? You're going to let us go? And he says, okay, don't let them leave. I'm going to go get meat. Which, then he comes is back. Is he the only hunter? It's very, it's unclear. You don't see anybody else around that seems to be like a like a grown man that would sort of be like young and like going out hunting. But it sure seems like this is a lot of people for one guy to feed. Whatever. Anyway. Especially during he goes out hunting. supposedly an ice age. Mm-hmm. He comes back and uh, he kind of in, tells them, okay... No, stay here with my tribe. I've got fire now. I've got 
see this meat this is some really good meat that we brought you and we brought you this stone this this cool new technology the doctor showed us a curved stone to hold water in they ain't, they ain't come up with that one but the doctor showed them and now they can they can hold water in a stone see i've got everything what could you want besides staying here in my cave of skulls don't try to leave so that's when now they have this problem okay once again pharaoh has said he won't let your people go so you're going to have to come up with something. And Susan, just kind of on a lark, gets up and takes this torch and goes and picks up one of these skulls and just kind of sets it on top of the torch. And says, Doctor, look! It looks like it's alive! Oh, this, is, this is a big, dumb popsicle that I made, right? It's, you know, it's a neatish effect. You get some flames coming out of the, the eye holes of the skull a little bit. That's kind of fun. Yeah, it's very uh, crazy world of Arthur Brown, but why is this so disturbing for the cavemen? Yeah, so Ian sees it, and Ian immediately says, this is our ticket out of here. And why? It, I, I was so confused yeah. by this. It, they know what skulls are. They know what flames are. Like, they might not know how to yeah. make flames, but they know what flames this are. Is, this is like the... This is the big, like, this is like a murder mystery in some ways, and this is like the big reveal of the solution to everything in the show, right? Like, this is the big moment where you're like, this is how they're going to get out of here. It was definitely and presented, the big plan, like, this is what we were building to. Yeah, and like, you're supposed to see it and immediately say, like, oh, it's so obvious. The big plan is you're going to, like, have fire coming out of this skull, and then what? Run. So they get four of them, and I wondered with the four of them, is the implication with the four of them supposed to be that these skulls are us? There's four skulls and the four of us have disappeared? We've turned into demon totems. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, boy, they, Ian has these cave people pegged, because boy does it work. I don't even know what happened to the guard outside. I guess he heard everybody freaking out and he came in and also started bowing to these demon skulls. Because all of the cave people just immediately start, like, groveling on the ground in front of these skulls. And the rest of the, you know, the, the Scooby gang can escape out the secret passageway and head back towards the TARDIS. Yeah. It's, it's Zaw's the one that figures it out, to his credit. Zaw is, you know, sometimes smarter than he looks. As silly as he looked earlier when he was shaking two sticks up and down and saying, why won't this make fire? He's kind of He's kind of figuring a couple things out. And one of the things he figured out is, it's not until one of the torches go out. He says, this isn't, this is just a torch and the bones of the dead. They're running away. They're escaping right now while we're groveling in front of the, while we're waiting and looking at this fire they made. We gotta go get them. And they all run out after the TARDIS and they, they get there just as the TARDIS is about to teleport away. Clever anger for them. Yeah, no, and then you, I think they maybe just wanted to have a scene where they throw spears and the TARDIS teleports away and the spears drop uselessly to the ground. It's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah, I would want that scene too. Yeah, I get it. It still doesn't make any sense as a big solution to the problem, right? Like, why why are they so freaked out by the fire? How, how are the cave people continually amazed by basic aspects of cave person existence? That... Using just the crazy world of Arthur Brown trick. Mm -hmm. 
seemed so much like people who were writing a serial who didn't know how to end it but knew that they needed to end it so they're just like yeah eh. Eh, yeah, I, I get it, and I guess you. It, it, what it has from a narrative perspective, aside from the logic of it, from a narrative perspective, it feels kind of climactic, and it feels like a resolution, right? No, it doesn't to me, though. Because well, it doesn't because the logic doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, ignore whether the logic of it makes sense or not. We, they've been negotiating with Zah this whole time. Mm-hmm. This has been like surprisingly diplomatic story Mm -hmm. they show him mercy and save his life Mm -hmm. for me the narrative is building to him having the realization that he needs to let them do what they're going to do yeah yeah but instead it's just smoke bomb and then Uh and then they're out and that that i don't know that that didn't sit too well with me yeah, well, it doesn't work very well because it's supposed to be like a it's supposed to be like a parting the Red Sea moment to get away from Pharaoh, but it doesn't make any sense as a miracle, and so it's just well, why did that happen? Like, also, why is Zah keeping you here? Like, what's his plan even? Because he wants he's really concerned about oh, are you comfortable? Has anybody been hurting you? I brought you the best meat because he he really like seems to think okay, you guys are important. You gave me fire. I want good things from you. But he's still locking them in the Cave of Skulls, which even the cave people seem to think is a pretty horrible place. Nobody's a fan of it. And you're like, you're never just, you're just telling them don't leave and we'll kill you if you leave. This is not, like, they're not going to join your tribe like this. They're not going to want to be part of your tribe. You promised to let them out earlier and then you went back on that, which... I would get if you had a motivation, but you don't have it. Like, I don't know what you... Do you figure they have more secrets, like other kinds of fire that they're going to give you or something? Green fire. I mean, they they actually probably do have a lot more secrets that they could tell you and they, they shouldn't, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, thought, I thought on my first watch through that he was going to come around and that, that would be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Teach this dude about agriculture. Tension. What was that? Teach this dude about agriculture? Yeah. But no. <laughs> yeah. Just... No, instead you have this, which at least in, in terms of like level of, you know, level of conflict, it feels like there's a pinnacle of drama. We even get some really goofy running scenes as they're running through the forest to get away from these cave people that are now chasing them once they've realized the trick. Uh I love these running scenes because they're just so goofy. Clearly what is happening in these running scenes is they're doing an extreme close-up of each person's face. And the person is just kind of bouncing back and forth a little bit. And with the extreme close-up, it's supposed to look like they're running through the forest. It's pretty good, though. Yeah, I gotta, I, I'd like to rewatch the scene with the music that you said and then maybe rewatch mm-hmm. the running scene and appreciate it a little more. Yeah, two things that stood out to me, uh, worth worth double-checking, and maybe you don't even want to give your final review until next week once you've had a chance to check those out, because I think those might be a couple high points for me out of this. I just don't know what the... from revealing. Sure. What the moral is of some of the parts that felt most didactic, right? Like, what is the symbolism of the Firemaker is the least important man? Yeah. 
They seem Nobody to think that it's it. an enlightened way to be. Like, I can imagine reads of that, like, in this cave person society, the person that, like, brings something to your society, that, like, produces a lot of value for everybody, is like a breadwinner kind of guy, that's who you make your leader. Whereas in our society, they're fucking leeches. They produce nothing. They've never produced anything. All they do is take and take and take. And that's who we make our leaders, right? That would be a read you could give. But they seem to think this is a really good thing, that the pe- the fire maker is the least important in society. I'm trying to think of... And they didn't really even develop that more. You know, so even if you decided on a read for it, it just... It amounted to three lines. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, and I don't know that they're trying to get that political with this, right? This is not an era of TV in which you're trying to make really political serials. Is that true, though? I mean, like, Star Trek is only a few years later, and Star Trek is... Yeah, but Star it. Trek is, is political because Gene Roddenberry wanted to be political, right? Didn't know what and he was having to fight to make that, that happen. Okay. I mean, I, I I don't know that much about the people making this show, but at least like Star Trek didn't need to be political. It was political because the guy that made Star Trek wanted to be political for sure. He wanted to show an interracial kiss on TV and get banned in a bunch of states. What other moral was there? Well, that's the thing. I I mean, in general, I think we're just, it's sort of just modern society patting itself on the back. But think how empathetic and kind we are today. I guess the cavemen learned that 20 people is more powerful than one person. Yeah, so the cavemen learned the power of teamwork, and that's great. They can put a little motivational poster on the wall. Uh, I actually I love the idea of having an office and having a poster with an extreme like zoom in on Zaw's face <laughs> and the line is just Cal is not stronger than the whole tribe. <laughs> I, I I like that a lot. <laughs> so that's something. But otherwise, yeah, I don't know exactly what to what to do with any of that. Yeah. So I won't review it since I'd like to rewatch the the scenes that you mentioned. But sure, what's uh, what's what are your final final thoughts takeaways? Uh, final thoughts. I think that the the moments where this is really shining is when the writers are having a moment to play, and they get to have something like, "What do we think caveman society like power structure is like?" Right. What what is politics in 2000 BC? Like what it, when you know or 4000 or 10000 or whatever we're supposed to be. Like what what does it look like when there's like a conflict for who's in charge and what would the conflict be? Like it almost feels like a conflict that like Gorons and Legend of Zelda would have. Mm-hmm. You would like go to Goron City and they would all be like we don't have any fire. We need to make more fire. And like all the, all the fire is gone and they're all freezing and you'd have to like go in the dungeon and get the dungeon item that lets you make fire. And then you come back and they're like, thank you so much. We'll protect it here. Take this shiny stone. Take these magnetic boots. 
Yeah, like that would be the it'd be the sort of conflict of like if you imagine this like very goofy cartoonish society, then like what kind of conflict would they have? And you, like, I'm almost just impressed with the actor for Zaw. I can't decide whether he's really good or not. He's kind of the whole time putting on this very affected, like, caveman voice. I like it. And that's what he's supposed to be doing. I think it's a lot of fun. But the moment where I'm most impressed with him is just early on when he's trying to make fire. And he can't quite get it to happen. But the way that he is acting like he doesn't understand this, but he's really exerting himself trying to make it happen. So he's holding these things up in the air and he's shaking them back and forth. And then he's like, it's not working. And he leaps up on the table and shakes them really vigorously <laughs> trying to make fire happen. And like, he's a calling out to some fire God. And like, that's just, that's just a lot of fun. You know, that's just the writers having fun. Like, what do you think of the idea of like this caveman guy that's just trying really hard to make fire? Cause his dad used to make fire, but he never taught him, so he's just he's like got these sticks, and he kind of knows that so, these smaller sticks are like the dead. Like you, you pile some of those around, but he just doesn't get the concept, and so he's just really exerting himself, but he can't he can't make it happen. It had Lots of fun. fun, fun to act that. Yeah, totally, exactly. Like the the fact that he could keep a straight face for that is where I'm most impressed. And all the, like, politics of, oh, you know, her, like, the old men, none of the old men are in charge, but there is a lot of concern about who the old men would support, right? There's only one old man that we ever actually see, they just re- reference there being old men plural. Not a lot but of you have this idea of the, the young men are the leaders, but the old men are kind of the 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 kingmakers. They can, they, they can throw their support behind somebody, and that can be really influential, and there is kind of an idea that the leader would just, like, kill people and, like, make everybody scared of him. But public opinion still really matters, you know? And so they're still having to make these speeches where they try and appeal to, I'm going to give you meat, I'm going to give you fire, the other guy can't give you meat or fire. And, like, that's all That's all interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, I think it's at its weakest when they're really leaning on... These cave people are so stupid. They don't understand anything. They just, they, she doesn't think that it's blood because she doesn't know what blood is. She thinks it's water coming out of him. Even though later on we have a whole forensic scene where he figures out that there should be blood on a knife. So they know that blood exists. Right. Some of that's like, I, I can't get over Orb. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the blood, water mix-up switcheroo mm-hmm. um gosh there was another one but yeah but you're right it's is there there there's like cavemen and then there's cavemen and there were there were a few times when they were yeah they made, were cavemen yeah they weren't uh, yeah convincingly portrayed would mm-hmm. be how i'd put it I because re- I don't know where we're going next, and I think we're probably just my vague impression from the ca- the, the cliffhanger that we got left on, which I guess we should mention cliffhanger for next episode. They teleport out of there. The doctor says he doesn't know exactly you know where they're going to wind up because he doesn't have the variables necessary to be able to control this machine precisely. So they wind up somewhere. They just see some trees on the camera. They have no idea where they are. Uh, he asks Susan, uh, "What's the radiation meter say?" And she says it, it reads normal. 
And then they go to clean themselves up before they're going to go outside and try and figure out where they've wound up. And as after they leave, it zooms in on the radiation meter and it ticks all the way up to danger after they're no longer looking at it. So I think the implication is going to be that they're going to be in this new world and they're not going to know that it's actually really radioactive. Right. I, like I picture that radiation meter just ticks all the way up and then the screen goes black with the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia title card and it's just the dog gets <laughs> cancer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the So I assume we're I assume we're gonna be in some kind of future thing this time, right? I mean maybe not. Maybe we're gonna be, you know, uh, maybe we're gonna be around Chernobyl or something. Who knows? But I, I unfortunately I can't say because I saw what it is. Yeah. Well, I think I even saw the name of the serial was like the Dead Planet or something like that. So, and I also even even without knowing this cliffhanger, you would assume just from how you do a story, if they're going to go back to the way ancient past for this first serial, you're going to go to the crazy future in the next one because you want to show the viewers early on that like, oh, we could go anywhere, right? Right. You're gonna do one is... ancient past, one super future thing to just be like, all right, this is boundless. Be excited about the possibilities, and now we can go to wherever we want. We can go see Napoleon, or we can, you know. Right. the The classic example of this in in drama and literature is uh, SpongeBob going mm-hmm. to caveman times and then to Chrome times. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course, the the great uh, cultural and literary uh, archetype, um, sort of the sort of the lead belly of literature, is is SpongeBob. I would describe SpongeBob as Homerian. <laughs> yeah, um, so they're going to go to the future. I, the thing I really hope we don't get too much of going forward is the the savage stuff. You know. It was kind of okay here where it was specifically we're going to be focused on, like, like, I would have been very upset if this had been, like, a more recent specific, like, oh, these are Mongols or something, right? Even if the depiction had been a little bit less absurd, He's it still would have been... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it still would have been, man, this is just, this isn't okay. Yeah. This wasn't okay then. It's really not okay now, but it wasn't even okay then. Uh and so, like, you kind of get away with it with cave people in the same way that Geico gets away with it with cave people, because cave people aren't a really aren't actually a specific people from a specific time or place. Um, so the only thing that defines them is being really, really old, undefined old, and not knowing stuff. So there are like three hundred and fifty, just rough estimate uh, episodes of this classic series. Uh huh. Obviously, you're going to repeat some things during that many episodes, but for the most part, I would just guess that we're not going back to cavemen more oh, more God, than maybe what if one we did? Other time. And oh, what if what if her is the next companion? Oh, I would adore that. Just, <laughs> that that's great. Or maybe yeah. they go like they say they. I forget Doctor Who rules. Can they save the old woman? Uh, they can't change the timeline that way. It's already solidified because they were there. They don't usually play with that, so yeah. I'm just gonna say no. Yeah, but what I, what I was getting at is, or we're, we're probably not going to cavemen much again. Mm-hmm. And we're, we'll be playing with aliens. We'll you know Victorian times. Who knows, right? Uh, 
all that sure. jazz. I don't know that the savageness would be as mm-hmm. would could ever be as unconvincing as it was in this serial. Because yeah, just absolutely. just by the nature of having aliens be aliens, even if they are kind of the intelligence equivalent of cavemen aliens, mm-hmm. it's less weird for a caveman to say orb for me yeah. than it is. A yeah, cave. yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, I mean, it, I don't know what the moral position exactly is in the future. The, the, when you think about Doctor Who future lore then it's a bunch of space Nazis of various kinds, right? Cybermen are basically space Nazis. Daleks are basically space Nazis. Um, and so you kind of get this idea of, like, the the decency of modern British society, but maybe they would, they would argue broader than that, uh, is the big thing that they're holding up as the ideal, that we're now going to go around the universe and we're going to have this modern society basic decency that we can offer to everybody uh and that will be how we can go places and solve problems etc mm-hmm. right and that's already weird but it's not nearly as obnoxious as if they're going to go back to you know they probably are going to go and visit you know king arthur and they're going to visit napoleon and they're going to visit you know, Genghis Khan, and they're probably going to visit Julius Caesar and all these guys, right? It just seems like what they would do. Yeah, they, that's kind of the Doctor Who shtick. Yeah, and even aside, because obviously, like, the the word savage has a lot of racism components to it. You wouldn't exactly be concerned with racism if they went to, like, Rome and talked about how savage everybody in Rome was. But it's still going to be really old really quickly. Very true. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, but I'm I'm optimistic for the space stuff too. I want to see how they how these British writers in 1963 that needed to get an episode out every week, so they had to come up with stuff like, what if they just put some skulls on a on a torch and the cave people think it's a, a demon god or something? Like, I want to see how those guys are now forced to come up with a universe. Like, what are they, what are they going to wind up going to? Right, because obviously I already know there's going to be some Cybermen and Daleks, but how do we even get there? What do they do with that? How did they feel like Cybermen was where they needed to show needed to wind up? I do wonder that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess that's where we're going to have to leave everybody. Uh, I think episode five is called the Dead Planet, or at least this next serial is called the Dead Planet, or something like that. How do we sign off these episodes? Oh, we've already established we don't have an answer to that. Okay. I think we speculated about one sign-off in the last recording, but I don't remember what it was now. I could do a final. It wasn't good. It was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have but, one. You know, we don't have a title yet, yet, so that's fine. Uh, Thank you so... for your patience, uh, uh-huh. listeners. Oof. That's a rough sign-off. That's submitting defeat. <laughs> that's how I'm going out. Going out with thank you for your patience. Thank you, thank and and as always, thank you for your patience. <laughs> as always, thank you for your patience. Make that your email signature. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not signing out on thank you for your patience. Uh, but maybe something like thanks for joining us. Thanks. And uh, sure, if you have any ideas about what our podcast should be called, write in, and we'll be very confused because we haven't published this. <laughs> Go ahead and write in, and I will be 
combative with you for even thinking yeah. that you could come up with something better than who let the dock out. <laughs> okay. Step one, listener, hack into my computer, get these recordings, listen to them. Step two, write in with what you think the podcast should be called. Sound good? Okay. With that, we're signing off. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to stop recording. All right. The TARDIS Tapes is an amateur production by Christian and Drake, released every other Thursday. Give or take. Any characters' similarities to real or imagined persons are purely coincidental, and unquestionably fair use. Special thanks to Stephen Kelly, an absolutely smashing guy, for help with the theme music. Follow us on Twitter at TARDIS Tapes, or email us at TARDISTapes at gmail.com. But be nice, please.